Blog Talk Radio. All powers to the people. All powers to the people, all powers to oppressed people, African power to an African people, black power. It's your brother, Chairman Yang and Kuma, People's New Black Panther Party, coming to you again on another Monday with Independence Black Talk Radio. Man, I'm amped. I am truly and thoroughly excited about uh, today's show, just from the past events that went on. The only unfortunate thing in, in, for me is that our brothers, uh, from the New Black Panther Party are having their show today, and Dr. Shabazz will be speaking on some of the issues that I wanted to speak about, and I would have loved to hear what he was saying, but the show must go on. And it's coming from a People's New Black Panther Party perspective. No factions, one family was the chance at our dear brother uh, Hyrule's transition, his home going, his uh, funeral, um, it it was a solemn occasion. We always hate to lose a comrade, especially one that was as sincere and committed to the struggle, empowerment, and liberation of African people here in America. Man, you know, for the um, brief time that I've known, well, I really can't even say brief, from the time that I've known the brother, from the opportunities that I had to be with him and meet him and speak with him. He was always a solid brother and thorough brother. My condolences to his family, um, to those that he was near and dear to. He will definitely be missed. His input, his enthusiasm, his motivation, just his everything, what he lent to the party will sincerely be missed. But like that, what is characteristic of our dear brother, like true to form, even in his transition, even in his home going, even at his funeral, in his death and departure, he was still organizing. At his home going, it was like a who's who of Panther members. It was brothers that I haven't seen in years, comrades, brothers and sisters I haven't seen in years, comrades that I haven't had the opportunity to talk to, um, to just really build with, sit around, and to gather that energy that was so abundant. There was a table that was there, and I affectionately named the table the officer's table because at this particular table you had the ranking officers of the various Panther formations. And this provided us with an opportunity to really chop it up, I mean, to really cut through the Facebook sensationalism, the rhetoric that we constantly see going from these post to post, and a lot of time rhetoric from people who have no idea what's going on. So it was refreshing. It was encouraging to be able to sit with these various leaders and to exchange, to clear up some of the uh, misinformation, to clear up some of the uh, unintentional and intentional shit that was had been floating around, you know, for lack of better words. And just what came from it, man, was it, it's hard to find words to describe the atmosphere and the exchange of ideas that we shared. 
but we know that the common theme was an end to factionalization, an end to factionalization. Now, when we say let's end the factionalization, do I think that in this day and time, at this immediate point in time, that every party will just dissolve and we will all come under one leadership and all collectively? No, not realistically. But the end of factionalization, the end of the different factions, to me, spoke volumes in a very different way. And the way that it spoke volumes to me was an end to unnecessary division, a coming together to understand that we are trying to achieve and accomplish one goal, and that goal is empowerment and liberation for African people here in America, and that in order to really achieve this, in order to be um, successful in this endeavor, that the minute things, the very the smallest of things that are dividing us have to be not only discussed but just have to be moved out of the way. And when we were discussing with these leaders, when I had an opportunity to discuss with these leaders and talk to Dr. Shabazz and Chairman Hashim and Defense Minister Samir of the Black, Black Liberation Riders, we found out that what separated us was small, was so insignificant that it shouldn't even really, a lot of these things shouldn't have come up. And even so much further to really, it made me question, was there really ever a separation at all? Did we really separate? because we were all going in the same direction and we were saying the same things. And I think now when we start to, what's happening from this is now we're starting to decide that we must start pulling uh, our resources together, that we're going to start pulling together and start working in that direction. So my proposal was something like a Panther Congress, something like a Panther Congress. What would this look like? It would look like something to the effect of us coming together and forming a document that we are a black nationalist document, a constitution, if you will, for, you know, the the empowerment and liberation of African people here. And that we all agree on this document, that we would all agree that this is something that we could stand behind and we would all commit to it. And we would all lend our, very, our support, our resources, and our troops to carry out the goals and objectives in this document. Because at the end of the day, it is about self-sufficiency and self-determination. It is about African people being able to do for themselves without the intentional, willful, and deliberate hindrance and obstruction of our natural evolution and our natural progress. What does that mean? You've heard me say it before. It means that we want them to leave us the fuck alone. And the only way that a people will leave you alone is if they're deterred from bothering you. Nature bears witness to this. Nature bears witness to it. The porcupine has quills. The skunk has its skunk glands or its funk bomb or whatever to deter its predators or those things that would cause it harm or duress. So us as black people, we have these things, but the only thing that we don't have is organizational unity. We haven't come together in such a manner that it would deter our oppressed people that would keep us in a a state from really launching an all-out attack on us. And this is why they know, they understand this. When we say Willie Lynch, brothers and sisters, let me tell you, this is just not something, you know, just not text we read. It's just not something in a book or it's just not a theory or something that we're trying to um, spit out to say that we know something. These are real tactics that are used to divide us and we find ourselves falling into these same traps every day. 
we fall ourselves falling to this same trap every day. And when we look at Willie Lynch, the Willie Lynch doctrine, when we look at the Willie Lynch letters, we see what the black people with African people or people of African descent were divided upon, and it's nothing. The old versus the young, the male versus the female, the light versus the dark, the east versus the west, the house nigga versus the field nigga. Nothing. And we find this same sentiment. We find these same things carrying over today. When we look at the partisanship or we look at the factualization, the factions and the fractions in the party, what were the fractions really about or what if within the, the, the fractions, the factions and the fracture between the parties, is there really a beef? There is a beef. What is the beef about? One of the things that I picked up from the funeral was, and I I sensed a, an elevation. A lot of the soldiers I used to soldier with back then, I really sensed their maturity, and they, through life's experience and experience through the movement, I really sensed their growth and their earnest desire to really make a change. I don't know if it's because Donald Trump became the president or just life lessons along the way had taught them some things, but I really started to sense a change and a desire for the betterment of us as a people. Because once we understand that we're all interconnected, the betterment of our people means the betterment for us. It means better living conditions for us. It means better economic conditions for us, better education for us. Once all of us start to become empowered, you see, there is no individualism in an African, in a, in a populist movement, in a mass movement of African people. They can't, we can't afford the individualism. We can't afford to think that we can separate ourselves from one another and that we're going to make it and leave the other people behind. Or we can't afford to start thinking that our little organization, our minute organization in the larger scheme of a struggle is going to be sufficient enough to liberate all African people right here in America. We are not a monolithic people. We are not all a one-minded people. We are people who have embraced certain cultural aspects and different theologies, different religions, different social cultural understandings and how we live our day-to-day life. And so it's going to take the various uh, organizations and formations to address some of those things that we have come to hold near and dear to us. But you will find us having these Masonic complexes or thinking that we have all the answers and that if people don't think like that we think, then they're wrong. You see, when we say no factions and one family, then we understand all we have to do is look to our family for that example. In our family, there are people who have various ideas and do different things, and sometimes we don't always agree. But at the end of the day, with a family, with a real family, what you do agree upon is that your family, and you have a certain sense of obligation and responsibility, a sense of duty to other family members to protect them, to provide for them, to shelter them, to nurture them, to love them, to offer any type of aid and assistance, offer guidance. This is what we have for our family. So this has to be extended to the African family here in America. Us Africans here in America, this very thing has to be extended. 
So the parties, this is where we start to have um, these divisions in the party or the, the various parties and the various formations. But we don't have to look at the various formations as being a threat to one another. We don't have to look at the various formations to always necessarily be something bad or that they came about because of a bad thing. That in some of their formations, where well, I can only speak for the People's Black Panther Party, was our formation was birthed out of a sincere desire to aid and assist African people here in America and globally, internationally, as we are Pan-Africanists. It was birthed out of that sincere desire, but we understood that some of the various leaderships, we didn't agree with the methodology, with the method going on. And from that, when you have people who don't understand that and everything has to be a fight and everything has to be combative, they turned that into, they came with a gang mentality and turned it into something that it didn't have to be that it never should have been in the beginning and for a lot of us in leadership positions that we never intended for it to be. And this was the theme at the funeral. In my talk with uh, Dr. Shabazz, man, a very interesting talk, a very interesting talk. And I'm going to tell you, I was pleasantly surprised by the talk with uh, Dr. Shabazz. I was, you know, um, you know, I don't want to say surprised like I thought that he was slow and didn't, you know, didn't have a comprehension, but I was surprised at how insightful into a lot of things that he was. And there's a lot of things that he was discussing and talking about that I would love to work with him further on. You know, I, I would love to work with Dr. Shabazz and the other leaderships further on, but I would love to have that proposal to know exactly what our one family is going to look like what our one family is going to look like. Me, personally, I am an advocate of the various parties. I advocate that. I told you in our study of any nation, when you find a nation, you find a nation consists of various parties that make up their parliaments or make up their congress or make up their federations, that they appoint their representatives that represent and reflect a certain demographic of the culture, reflect a certain people of the culture. There are certain parties address and speak to the issues that a group of people hold near and dear to them and, and say that these are the things of the importance to us. And so every, you know, not one party always reflects all of that. So you have the various parties. But having a federation, having a Congress or a parliament of Panthers who say that, who appoint their representatives and say that we represent this particular demographic or these particular group of, of, of Africans here in America who hold these specific issues near and dear to them and they want them addressed and we want to know how we will go about addressing them and alleviating the pain and suffering, alleviating the issues and the problems that affect them in these areas. And coming to this Congress and pulling our resources and having the guidelines that we operate in that will keep us um, being operating in the fashion of what we are, and that's civilized men and women. And that's civilized men and women. You see, this is what the this is what the one family is. We have to understand, start to look at the family structure. How is the family structure made up? And taking that uh, microcosm and, and, and expanding it into a macrocosm, taking that small example of the family and expanding that into a large example of the African family throughout America. Like I said before, let's go into 
my proposal as what I would like to see if we were to sit at a table. And this is, listen, like always, the conversation is open, brothers and sisters. This is the People's New Black Panther Party, Blog Talk, Independence Talk Radio. This is an opportunity for you and I to discuss. I'd like to know what your opinions and your comments are on it, or People's Black Panther Party, what your opinions and comments are on it, how you feel about it, how you would like to see it formulated and, and, and brought together. As for me, like I said, what my proposal would be is a Panther Congress. As I said earlier in the program, a Panther Congress that comes together and drafts a document of all the representatives come together and draft a document that we would act as whether we would call it a black nationalist constitution. I don't know what we would call it, but some type of document that we could all agree upon, put a vote to, and say that we all support wholeheartedly and we will we will lend our economic, educational, and military or militant or defense forces to enforce, uphold this document. And this document should be for the empowerment and liberation of African people. Start to put together a Congress. We have to start to look at nation building. We have to really start to examine black nationalism and really start to try to do things that would implement black nationalism. For us, it's starting at the grassroots or even below the grassroots, what I call the mud movement. It is about implementing programs that teach the people self-sufficiency. And once the people start to learn to be independent, once the people have that taste of freedom and have that determination that they have determined their destiny, that the people have had that um, taste of being reliant upon themselves and, and, and upon their brothers and sisters, it would be hard to put the people back in shackles. When you look at every other, when you look at nationality, look at the people, I look at Ireland, how the IRA, the, the Irish Republic Army, who are predominantly Catholic, are fighting the Protestants who came over there, I believe it's Britain, who came over there and tried to colonize them. When you're a free-loving people, colonization, subjugation, oppression doesn't sit well with you. You can't find it in your spirit to be colonized. You can't find it in your spirit to have to ask another man for permission to do anything or to have to ask another man or woman or another principality that has power over you. You have to ask them the permission to live, to evolve, to grow. It doesn't sit with a free man. But since the African people here in America haven't truly been free, we don't understand that concept. You've heard me say it before, we blow like a leaf in the wind, in a strong wind. Whichever way the wind carries us, you'll find us flipping and flopping along like that. And that doesn't fit a free, loving people. You see? So when you doesn't, when it doesn't fit a free, loving, when it doesn't fit a, a, a of free-loving people, they resist. They start to fight. But since we don't resist and we don't we don't start to fight, since we've been subjugated and dominated dominated for so long, and we don't understand and have this yearning desire to really be free, not really be free, not really be free, because when you find like when you find our 
ancestors, our predecessors who came before us, and when they were enslaved and shackled, there wasn't anything they wouldn't do to earn their freedom. There was nothing they wouldn't do to earn their freedom. Yet you and I have the audacity to sit and say who we won't work with, what we won't tolerate. I've never seen since the posting of the funeral and a lot of the posts have been coming up about us unifying and coming together and ending the factions. I've never seen so much hatred posted by other people. I'm going to have to say niggas, outright niggas. I've never seen so much dismay and, 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 and disbelief on it, but all black people can't come together. It is ridiculous. The fact that we would even, you would think that these people work for the government. I'm waiting for the post to say, how dare you niggas have the audacity to think that you can come together and work together for the empowerment of African people. What's wrong with that? What's wrong with that? Am I saying that it's going to be paradise overnight? No, it's going to take work. Am I saying that everything is just overnight, it's going to be a revolution and we're going to gain our freedom and our independence? No, it's going to take work. And it's going to take mature brothers and sisters, men and women, who are willing, who really believe in the people and really have a love of the people to allow their personal grievances to be put aside for the sake of harmony and unity from the masses. That's what it's going to take. There's still some things. I'm not saying that there's some things that I agree with. Overnight, I've agreed with everything that every faction says or I agree with every method that the faction, that the various parties are taking to try to um, gain our independence. I'm not saying that all of a sudden I've changed a lot of my views and positions. I haven't. But what I am saying is that I am willing to discuss them now because I feel the willingness from other parties to discuss and to listen and to even take in consideration some of the methods that we're contributing to our liberation. Let's study the liberation. When you study revolution worldwide, you will never find, and I defy you. I'm, I'm telling you, I defy you. I challenge you to go find me a revolution that is taking place in a world that has only been carried out by one revolutionary party. And when you find it, please call in or inbox me. I would love to see that. Study when we study from Chairman Mao Sing Tung. When the Japanese, the Chinese communists were fighting the Chinese nationalists, but when Japan invaded, the, the Chinese nationalists and the Chinese communists came together to run the Japanese out of China. And when you and I face with an enemy, not a hidden enemy, not a convert enemy, not an enemy that you and I don't know, a blatant enemy whose legislation, laws, rules, and regulations are purposely designed to destroy us. That's at the very least, to destroy us economically and physically, destroy our education, to destroy our social and cultural norms. When you find an enemy like that, we still think that we have the luxury to be at one another's throats. We still think that we have the luxury to compete with one another for the struggle of our people. It's the damnedest thing. 
it is the weirdest thing to me. I've never seen a people compete for the misery and suffrage of their people. That we want to be, that we want to be, that we want to be the the the, the premier uh, uh, group that addresses all the misery and suffrage for black people. You know, we need all the help we can. All hands on deck. All aboard. So, yes, I was elated. I was excited. I was hopeful, and I'm, I'm still hopeful, for the future of a new black movement, of a renaissance, the resurgence of a real black movement here in America for us as Africans, like we had in the 60s and the 70s. That started to wane in the 80s with the crack epidemic and the gang epidemic. I'm glad to see that we have some of our best minds and some of our uh, most profound leaders and bold leaders stepping up saying, hey, let's end the partisanship. Let's end the partisanship and start to come together and be able to work together for the advancement of our people. Because you see it every day with your enemy. You don't. If you don't see it every day with your enemy, you must be walking through the streets with your eyes closed. You must be walking through the streets with your eyes closed. But what ends up happening is that neo-neuro-nationalists or neuro-neo-nationalists, black nationalists, have come into the movement and they launch what I call a bully campaign. A bully campaign. This is a campaign of intimidation, a campaign of ostracizing those who don't exactly agree with what they say or the way that they say it, a campaign of slander, a campaign of outright, in a lot of cases and instances, lies, questions, brothers and sisters, those people who, who don't want to see unity. What is their motive? What is their motives? And if you question them, I'm willing to guarantee nine times out of ten, the motive is not a sound one. It's not a sound motive. It's not enough of a motive. It's not enough of a problem for us to still be divided amongst ourselves. So we at the People's Black Panther Party, like I told Dr. Shabazz, like I told Chairman Hashim, like I told Chief of Staff Sean Kwali, like I told Defense Minister for the Black Liberation Riders, our brother Samir, like I told the representatives from our sister Muhammad's party. That was it, David X and Brother Sharif and the rest of the representatives from uh, Sister Crystal Muhammad's party. That we at the People's Black Panther Party extend the hand across party lines to see the 10-point platform brought into fruition to end police brutality, to end poor health, poor housing, poor education or miseducation. And the final and total and highest aspiration of our party is to establish a plebiscite site so that we can come together when we were at our time and at our place of choosing to formulate a government that we control, our highest political aspiration. This is what we're saying that we're willing to do. And from my understanding and 
from what I received that it was well received. They understood. You see, those of us who had soldiered together and been together, who have a respect for one another, who've been in the trenches and have seen the work that and the dedication and the commitment and the sacrifices that we've made can judge the sincerity and really look one another in the eye and realize that there was never really a problem with us anyway and say, yes, now the time, if any other time, now is the time. If there has never been a time, now is the time. So we must judge, so we have to now. Us revolutionaries must put on our hats of discernment. We have to put on our hats of discernment because now is the weeding out process. You see, when we start to build up unity, you're going to have these people that come up and they're going to drop seeds of discourse and seeds of division and seeds of doubt because they don't want to see unity for whatever their reason. For many, in a lot of instances, are their reason is because they are, um, what is the, the Marcus Darby say? He said, power corrupts and absolute power absolutely corrupts. A lot of them outside weren't really finding any self-worth outside of the party, so their power struck, become madmen. They become power drunk. And they like the fact, even if their party only consists of six or seven brothers and sisters, and I'm not knocking that. That's you know, what happens. That's a good little start if that's what you're dealing with. But they become tyrannical. And in their tyrannical rule, they know that they have to keep, it becomes cultish. And they have to keep them away from anybody so fearful that they're going to hear something they like somewhere else. Well, let me ease your mind for you naysayers out there. For you brothers and sisters that are naysayers out there and that are worried about losing the few little membership or supporters you have, don't worry about the People's Black Panther Party because we don't want your membership. We don't want your membership. We're content with them belonging to an organization, a progressive revolutionary black organization that is dedicated to the change and empowerment of African people here. Keep your membership. And we still offer our assistance. That's not my forte. I don't worry about the membership in our party because I don't expect them to be loyal to Chairman Yanger. If Chairman Yanger isn't loyal to the vision of the People's Black Panther Party, I expect my formation to hold true to the vision of the People's Black Panther Party and to aid and assist me into bringing that vision to fruition. And if you're a party with a vision, then I'm extending my hand to aid you and assist you in carrying that out. Because if your vision, if you're a black nationalist and a revolutionary black nationalist, then your vision probably is my vision. You and I probably share the same vision. Or at the very least, if not the same exact vision, we want the same exact thing. And this is what's happening. This is the sentiment that divides that you feel. The pressure is on. The pressure is real, brothers and sisters. And it got real. And we haven't seen it yet. We're seeing remnants of it. We have a madman in the White House. We have a madman in the White House. Look at the ban on Muslims. 
Look at the ban on Muslims, and that's just the beginning. This is the test of waters. And still you'll find us picketing and protesting, and that has its place. That has its place. But are we really preparing for what I always call that revolutionary transitional period, period? Are we starting to learn African communalism? Because when it's all said and done, we're all we got. We are all we have. So we have to, so we, we're relying on one another. So we have to have programs that foster that, that aid that. We have to have real things that will carry us through on that. And one of the realest things that we could have in this day and time is a unification of the various parties. Premise are doing it. The white when you see those white supremacists march, if you look closely you will see the various patches and insignias. You will see the different emblems and signs that let you know they're from different groups that agree on one thing the continuation of the supremacy of the white race. That's what you'll see. Let's make America great again. They even got a slogan. Let's make America great again. Great for who? And we're not prepared. We still, like I said before, think we have the luxury of being at one another's throats and not sitting down and coming together and asking what the hell is really going on. It's your brother, Chairman Yanga, Independence, Black Talk Radio, People's Black Panther Party. If you want to get any comment, you may agree, you may disagree. This is your opportunity. You can come in. We're talking about no no factions, one family, but it's really what's on your mind Monday. We can start off there. We can go anywhere with the topic because this is serious, brothers and sisters, amongst us. And I'm sorry I'm going on a little bit tired. Your brother chairman has been traveling. I have been traveling. Let me say this. Let me regress a little bit, digress a little bit. You know, sidebar throwing in there. My hats off to the leadership of these various parties because it is exhausting work. From the travels to the getting the chapters together, it is very exhausting work. So my hats off to you. I have a whole new respect for the leadership of these parties. And I want to thank personally my central for staying down with their chairman and, and, and helping us to bring this thing, bring these visions to fruition and laying the foundation for this, this, this dynamic party that I've been elected to chair. I want to definitely thank my um, central for that. <clears throat> but to go back, so what is needed? So what is does this unity look like? Is it unity for the sake of unity? Because we've had too much of that. We don't want unity just to be in name only. We don't want unity just so that we can look deep. We don't want unity just so that uh, one person or a couple people can come up to look like they're emerging as leaders of the faction, but unity for the sake of really accomplishing some things. Let's go to our phone line. Six seven eight five four seven five. Can you hear me? Yes. 
Oh, wonderful. Brother Yanga, you know I love you. I have to start with love, you know? Yes. Yeah, I say if I put love first, I say it's God, you know, then all things will go, you know, in in the the order that it's supposed to go in, you know? I don't fight anymore, you know? I'm a pastor, though, you know, maybe, maybe not by... Maybe I had put my finger in the in the stamp and and you know, uh, uh, put my blood down there. You know, you know my John Hancock or Jane Hancock. <laughs> right. This is my aunt, Ray Hot. This is I'm you, and I just want to plug in because from day one you've always been a hundred percent with me. You know what my cause was. I was always telling you about Dr. York. Those mm-hmm. brothers, Tutu, he was like, you know, hey, you you be over the top sometimes. Like, you know, I just get, I, I talk faster than my body could move, you know. So always from Comcast Studios, I thank Tutu for introducing me to Miss Sue Ann Taylor who is my executive producer, you know, and who has allowed me to build a platform. That lady knows so many people, Yanga. (laughs) You know, not the name drop, but she's like, you know, she's like, you know, Bobby Brown is my, is my uh, adopted grandson. I'm like, you don't say. Sue Ann knows a lot of Sue Ann. I damn near got fired. Say that again. I said we did a lot of good work under Sue Ann. Oh, Sue Ann don't you say. Producer. I know you still mad. I know you still mad at me because I didn't get that shot with Rick Ross. You was like, don't don't miss the shot. Don't miss the shot. <laughs> hey man, hey, you know what it's like hey. working for me. You one of the people that can uh, you that can testify how it is. Uh, Working with Chairman Yang and I didn't. I wasn't mad at you. I was just like you know, be on your job. You know what I'm saying? So I wasn't really mad at you. I'm just. I got it all. <laughs> so you got you got, got some and you got some excellent shots. You got some excellent shots. So I just wanted to make my presence felt, my friend. Okay. Well, let me ask you a question because I got you on the line there. You know, and we just having a laid back Monday, laid back conversation. You know, I see how. You know, people listening in, but I guess they're just laying back. What do you think about, you know, I went to the, the funeral facility. You know how I'm always traveling, Maya. So um, I went to the, the – you say what? I said you got a magic carpet. <laughs> <laughs> I should have a magic carpet. It'd make it easier. Um, so I went up to the, the funeral up in Philly and had an opportunity to sit with a lot of the leadership, man, which was wonderful. And we were talking about um, really coming together. What do you think about that? I know that you know that there's various Panther formations and Panther parties, and we were all just really talking about coming together. What do you think of of that, and how do you think that something like that would look or could possibly be a realistic, uh, we we could come together realistic? It's, It's a definite vision, but I just hear you say, this is my favorite word, fruition. That's always been my favorite word. Though I'm, I really rather not be speaking the English still, uh, but I, I'm still working on the niggerism. You know, I got a lot of niggerism. 
baby. As we all are. But younger. <laughs> Working on myself. God gotta keep blessing me, younger. God gotta keep blessing me. You gotta pray for me because you know I'm really, you know what I'm saying? I'm an okay girl, but I can be, you know, sarcastically psychotic, you know. I, I like I like a deep, well thought out joke. But I know, you know, shit is not a joke. So I just find a way to escape, you know, in the camera and and the lights. And, you know, really, I like to be behind the camera. I'd rather not even be out front. That's, you know, I'm not shy, you know. I do a lot of things. You know, my mom is just a, just was a well-rounded person. She knew <laughs> You go, I'm you sorry, ask I'm just question. going on you and on. That's what you're really saying about me. Yeah, you what happened to me. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. That's my question. What do you think about? What do you think about? You got it all. You got it all. You there. That's all that's people. It's about time, Yanga. It's about time. It's a long answer. I give you the long answer. But it's about that time, and that's not, I mean, that's real serious business, you know. I clown just to keep from breaking, but, you know, the real is is that we got to get us together, you know what I'm saying. We can't go, and, you know, I want to leave the country. You know, people ask me, you know, invite me all the time, you know, but when you have a mission and you're true to your mission, then you stay focused on that. You know, and that's why I say you always keep me in line because you like answer the damn question, girl. You know, just keep it simple. You know, so sometimes I I do complicate you know things, and we and we do that. You know, but it's not a, not a complication. It's a mature conversation. It's a mature yep. conversation that every household should have to have. You know, and however you express it, that's how you express it. I have my own way. I try to stay in my lane, you know, and that's 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 pretty much it. So yeah, it's it is time, time. Yeah, yeah, I agree with you. I think that it's I think that it's time, you know. I think that it's it's past time, but more than if there hasn't been any other time, it's now. With everything that's going on, with um, you know, especially with the current administration, with the legislation and the rules that they're putting into place. And this is just an example. Listen, President Trump is showing us that he is not about playing games. Within his first 100 days, he's not even 100 days in. You know, he is already enacting some very controversial rules, laws, and regulations. And we have to break out of the habit that we're in, and that habit is, sitting by and waiting and watching and wondering what's going to happen to us. Right. Black people is and that's not fair. And that's not fair. No. And I don't want it to isn't. put my, I don't want to put my children's, I don't want, I'm sorry to cut you, but I don't want to put my right. children's future in a guess. You know, I, I live mm-hmm. more factually. That's easier for me, you know, mm-hmm. and then I can, I can translate to my children that that's not confusion yeah. that's minus the chaos so that's right. what that's what clowns create is chaos and they think they want to have you distracted you know and they want to push fear 
You know, I mean, we dying already. That don't mean that we're going to give up. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? It's to my last breath, Yanga. That's how, that's right the person on. that I am. That's how my mom raised me. You know what I'm saying? It's like, if you're a born leader, you're just a born leader. You can't, it's not, you didn't choose this path that we, that we are on right now. It's an alignment, you know, and mm-hmm. then we can go in and talk about the, the stars and the moon and, you know, those Cyrus, we can, uh, the, the Beetlejuice, we can talk about all of that. But it's okay. It's exceptionable when somebody of a pale descent talk about that rather than somebody with dark skin. Because yeah. even especially from a female, especially from a female, if yeah. you want me to keep it optimistic and I got and I got to hedge your household, but I got to be sane in all this crap that they pushing on the television. So mm-hmm. well, that's one of the things that... not to let you rule. Go ahead. I'm sorry. No, you know how I, I get when I get drunk. That's one of that's one of the that's one of the things that. That's one of the things that, and I appreciate. I definitely appreciate that, Sister Maya. That's one of the things, though, that you know that they come at us with. You know what I'm saying? That they coming at it to divide the households. You know, but we have laws. I think that um, you know, in our revolution, in our hopefully prayerfully in our programs, and this is why I'm such a big advocate of programs. This is why I'm so hard on a lot of the formations, and specifically our formation to really start getting these programs going because the tax launched against us, the war waged against us, isn't just a war on one front. They're just not attacking us physically. Yes, we need defense. Believe me, I am a big proponent of, of defense. You know, I, I, yeah. I think that that's only natural. It, everything defends it. One of the most beautiful flowers in the world at Rose even has thorns. So everything has some type of natural defense, you understand? So this is natural. But if we think that that is the only attack waged against us, that a physical attack is the only way that this European, this colonizer is coming against us, then we're missing the bigger picture. The attack has been educational. The attack has been social-cultural. The attack has been economics. And only through African communalism, only through right, so only through African communalism, only through addressing all of these issues will we start to have at least be pointed in the right direction or start to wage a realistic resistance movement. Before we can even, we get into this thing of revolution, revolution, a lot of things have just become words to us. They become slogans. Black power, that's a damn slogan. That has just become a slogan without really understanding the substance of black power what we mean when we say black power. So before we can talk about a full-blown revolution, I read a lot of the posts, oh, revolution, and you can't be scared to die in the revolution, and you can't, Negro, you don't got nothing. If they close the grocery stores, nigga, you'll be starving. If they close the grocery stores, you'll be starving because you got a few bullets, because you got a few gallons of water in your basement, because you got a couple flashlights and some batteries. A bulletproof vest. Mm-hmm. You think you're ready for a damn revolution? When before you can mm-hmm. get a full-blown revolution, you must have a resistance movement. Study revolution. Mm-hmm. That's what I tell you. I get so frustrated with these yeah. overnight revolutionaries, with these brothers and sisters who all of a sudden have read one book 
revolutionary suicide, that he read something on uh, Field Marshal George Jackson, and overnight they feel like that they're revolutionary. They feel like that they have been revolutionized. But revolutionization is a process and an ongoing process. It's an ongoing process. I'm still in the process of being revolutionized, and I was birthed by a revolutionary. So it's a forever process. So before we get to a full-blown revolution, we must have a resistance movement. The masses of people must learn the art of resisting. Resisting what? Resisting the temptations, resisting the thinking of our colonizers, resisting the diet of our colonizers, resisting the actions of our colonizers, resisting using their psychological, um, their, psych, their psyche, like I said, thinking like them, so therefore judging like they were judging, using their standards as our morals and our ethics, using their standards to set standards in our communities. We have to learn to resist these very urges that not have only been beating our predecessors to an extent that it was passed down to us, that it has become almost a second nature. It's almost become a second nature, the way we behave and act. So before a full-blown revolution, before we can talk about overthrowing or changing a system, we must change the system in ourselves that we operate by. We have to learn to resist it. Study the revolution of Algiers, I tell them. When the Algerians ran the French out of Algiers and they took over, they were worse than the French. They Mm -hmm. practiced what's called neocolonialism. They ran the government the only way they knew how to run the government, and that was from their colonizers. And this is what we, so I ask the people, you have revolution, and you change revolution, and you have this new government that you set up. What are you running? Are you going to be a black capitalist? Is there still going to be homeless issues, hunger issues, poor education in certain years? Will there be a class system? It's just Mm -hmm. going to be a class system. Okay, may I ask you you a question? Yes. Okay. So, okay, all those things, that you mentioned, you can organize those things in your mind. I am able at some points to organize things in my mind so it, it keeps making sense, so that it's, you know, like tangible, you know, reachable. Mm-hmm. But for somebody that is like in deep, deep despair, I mean, I got some deep despair, mm-hmm. but I, tr- I try not to take it out on anyone. You know, I just try to deal with it myself, like most black women do. Mm-hmm. You know, but but what what's an easy answer? How do you start? Because some people there, don't there know is, where to start. Right, there is no there is no easy answer. But the start is the solution is African communalism. That's the start. You're not the only sister suffering from what you suffer from. Mm-hmm. But since you've been told that that is, norm, that is not normal, since you've been told that that's a psychological disorder, since you've been told <clears throat> that you shouldn't feel this way, a lot of our women hold this in. But where it starts is African communalism, and that just means black people who a community is common unity. So a community would be sisters who share the same, have the same feelings of despair, have the same feelings of hopelessness, 
have the same anger. Happy mm-hmm. shit, same feelings, and they get together. And they come up with solutions, and they talk it out. And then they know, like, you know me. Then they come to brothers, and they say, hey, here's a list of what the sisters feel. And a brother like me would get the brothers together, and we would discuss that list. And we would come back with a response to the list. And then eventually we would come together, and we would discuss it together and civilize people. Because these are issues that affect us directly. We have to learn to communicate with one another. And this is what I mean about that resistance movement, not in the lines of, see, the white man hates his woman. This devil hates mm-hmm. his woman. This is why Hillary Clinton, this is why I wasn't even, I didn't even entertain the thought of uh, Hillary Rodham Clinton winning the presidency. They will let a nigger um, no. run this country before they let a woman mm-hmm. run this country. He doesn't like his women. He doesn't like his women so much he's written his women out of all that spirituality. In the African spiritual system, we believe in the divine feminine and the divine masculine. In their spiritual system, they say the father, the son, they don't give him a holy wife, they give him a holy ghost. Right. They're so scared of that sexual thing, they say she married with a virgin. She she didn't even have a man. She wasn't even even no man-woman relationship. So he doesn't, it bears witness to the the fact that his woman, um, this is where the feminist movement was born from. So black men, we suffer from that. We don't just suffer from white supremacy. We suffer from white male supremacy. So once we do away with the white supremacy, the black man must check himself, must check his misogynistic behavior, must check his sexist attitudes, and be careful that he's not emulating his colonizer in the way that he treats his woman. Because let me tell you, any woman of ethnicity, ethnicity, any woman of color, is not going to tolerate that type of behavior. And we wonder why we have these problems in our household because we're thinking like white men. And we're trying to impose a white psyche on our women. And it's not going to happen. The black woman and women of color have carried us. Not all, not by our own design, not because we were lazy or anything, but because a masculine, dominant black male was murdered. So black women, out of their fear for losing their sons and their loved ones, actually kind of pussyfied us a little bit. Sometimes they don't look that white man in the eyes, don't back talk that white man, just go this way, go out the back door. So they pussyfied us in an effort to save our life, making them have to step up and be strong. So we have to check that, and when we, us brothers, start checking that, we can hear what our sisters are saying to us, and then we can address those complaints and grievances and issues from an African perspective, or from a perspective that is more natural to a people of color. So that's where, to me, where it would start. The sisters would get together, go over their grievances, and we would have to have strong sisters to make sure that they're not being influenced that they come, that they turn it into a man bashing thing, taking into consideration the plight of the black man, the plight of the black woman, the plight of the black family, the destruction of the black family, the psychological warfare that has been waged against the black family. We're taking all of that in consideration, really looking for honest answers, and at the same time being compassionate, in some instances forgiving of some of the responses 
that they may receive. Just as us as black men have to be compassionate and a lot of instances forgiving of the grievances and the issues and problems that our black women are going to bring to us. So it all starts with African communalism. yeah, Go ahead, I think forgiveness is a really is a really big thing. I think that when you said that 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 woke something up in me immediately, you know, because in order for us to move forward and with the like, you know, a lot of things were hidden. Like some people were slumber, you know, they weren't all the way asleep. Some people are in a little bit of a slumber. But now it's like you know, like like the actual now, the meaning of it in the in timing, you know, um, you really don't have any more time. Like you you gotta know if a person is for you or against you, you know, it's just something that that comes about. So you you offer a lot of solutions, you know, and. You know, I I just say that I just want to keep doing the work, you know, as long as I keep doing the work. And I think as long as we start putting it on paper, you know, that becomes a demand. It's not even a request. It's like, you know, why should should we ask for a humanitarian, you know, uh, right? That makes no sense. I don't think right. We don't, yeah, I don't think that we're asking for it. I think a lot of things are declarations. You know, when you're going to the world, you're making a declaration. We're making a declaration. We're not asking permission for anything. Those of us that are revolutionaries, we're not asking permission. We're making a declaration. We're saying this is what it is. We want freedom. We want the right to practice self-determination. This is what we want. You know what I'm saying? And that is a declaration. Really, we're responding. We're answering a question before the question has been asked. They say, why y'all Negroes acting like this? Because we want freedom. We want the right to self-determination. This is what this is about. So this is what we're making declarations, but that's going to come from, like you said, not just making that declaration on paper, not just by going before the world court or doing any of that type of stuff, but it's going to come from real action. It's going to come from real action. It's going to come from, I think, too many times we have romanticized a revolution to such an extent that we're looking for this, man, we got to get out of these Mad Max Thunderdome fantasies. There's not going to be mass chaos in the streets like that. I don't mm-hmm. see it. There's not going to be mass yeah. chaos in the streets like that. They're not just going to wage, we get into these fantasies like they're just going to wage an open warfare. It is an open warfare, but in all right, just confront us. Like that, man, they're going to send their squad to come snatch you out of the middle. Some of these niggas, well, all of this hoopla, they talking sleep. These niggas eat too much and sleep too hard. I've been a victim mm. of them snatching me up. My offices have been raided twice with the whole armament, tanks and everything. I've personally been snatched up, and they didn't come 12 o'clock in the afternoon send a calling card. They didn't send a general to me and we sit down at the table and say, hey, we declare one another. They come two or three in the morning. And some of these niggas overindulge, sleepyheads, laying in bed, laying up yeah. with their women. They just tuck their children and they got children in the same house. When you think you're dealing with a devil. 
Get out of these romantic fairy tales in your mind. And this is all that's happening. You think it's going to be some shooting in the streets and you got your little gun and we back and forth and we shoot you hide behind cars and stuff. And come on, man, it's television. That's moving. They snatch you up in the middle of the night. And if they can't snatch you up in the middle of the night, they send somebody to hit you from 150 yards away. Snipers. You don't even see it coming. Just ask Mega Evans and Dr. King when you get an opportunity to, to talk to the ancestors. You're dealing oh, yeah. with savages. You're dealing with savages. So the way around that, like any revolution, yeah. any mm-hmm. revolution has always been a populist movement. There's always been a stirring of the masses of the people. The masses of the people had had, had to move. The masses of the people had to be inspired to take their own destiny in their hands because you mm-hmm. can't destroy all the people. And that's the bottom exactly. line. And that's the bottom line. You can't destroy all the people. So the little few groups that we have that think that it's just, and they're very necessary to a degree, but to think that this is where the revolution is going to be fought and, and, and is where it's going to start and where it's going to end. I don't think it's very realistic. When the Panthers, what we call the third development, whom a lot of people call the original Panthers, when they said all power to the people, it was not a slogan. Right. It was not a slogan. It was a war cry. It was a... A, a statement for information purposes, they were telling the people that the power lies in your hands. The power lies in your action. The power lies in your dollar. The power lies in your movement and what you decide to do. This is the whole thing of self-determination. This is why Marcus Garvey that was up, you mighty nation. You can accomplish what you will. There's nothing holding us back at this point but us. And what should we be fearful for? What should we be fearful for? They have done the worst that they could possibly do to us. They murder us. Mm-hmm. They kill us. And I appreciate that, Sister Miriam. I'm going to put you on, on, on mute for a minute. If you want to come back in, they hit one again. They Thank murder you. us. You're welcome. They kill us. We already panic. And traffic stops. So what is there to be fearful of now? Nothing. Absolutely nothing. The only thing holding us back now is our lack of commitment to the movement. Our lack of commitment to the movement. Our lack of really sitting down and saying that these are the programs that will advance us and take us and to start to practice African communalism and our egos. This is what's stopping the one family. Egos. When you find those people, like I talked to the sincere leaders, I didn't have that opportunity. I spoke with the sincere leaders, and I'm telling you, it was a wonderful conversation. It was very encouraging. It was hopeful. It was uplifting. I was inspired. 
for me to be back with comrades I haven't seen in a minute and hadn't talked to in a minute and shaking hands and hugging and embracing and exchanging I encourage It really was. And when I started to see them post and share the pictures and like one of those pictures, you would have these few blotters and people commenting, these 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 agents of hate. I'm not going to say agents of the government. I'm going to say agents of their own sicknesses and depravity that for whatever reason don't want to see this, and it can only be because of their egos. They're scared of, that they're going to lose some type of status or some type of position that they think that they have amongst the few uh, people who support them. And what I'm finding out now after talking to these leaders, most of these people who have a problem with it aren't even the leaders. All the leaders are saying, yo, one family, that was the chance. No factions, one family, no factions, one family. That was the chance. So it isn't even the leaders. It's these people who have, they feel like that they have something to gain behind the scenes. So they plant these seeds of division. They continue the the discourse, the slander and the lies, the rumors, the gossip that would have us divided at a time when we need one another. I need my brothers and my sisters. When we need one another, when it's advantageous to us as a people, anything else is self-destructive, brothers and sisters. Anything else is self-destructive. There is not one party. I see the wonderful names the Supreme Path of this, the Mighty Path of that, the Grand Path of this, and they sound wonderful. But in realization, your little five or six members ain't going to do nothing by themselves. Along with my little five or six and the little five or six over there. Let's be realistic. Let's address these issues. I'm sure y'all got more than five or six. Y'all know I'm just playing. We all playing. But let's be realistic. Let's be realistic. So, like the sister was saying, some of the things that will get us through when we're facing the day-to-day stress in this day-to-day life are real-life programs that promote and support what? African communalism. I stand by African communalism. I stand by African communalism. And that's what's going to save us. Anything other than that, Anything other than that will not work. We've tried it. Have we not tried it? Some of our most brilliant and 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 uh, blessed minds were socialists, were communists, white leftists. I'm not talking about scientific socialists, not in Krumist. You know what I'm saying? But were from the you know practice communism. Now the communists launched the thing against Marcus and signed off. And had one of our brilliant minds, uh, the boys, going against Marcus Garvey. So we have brilliant minds in communism. We tried communism. We've tried, you name it. We've tried it. But we have yet to put all our, not only want to say all efforts, but to exert enough, a realistic effort in African communalism with realistic programs. Let's get off of this. Let's stop buying. This age of information has destroyed us. 
This age of information has destroyed us. This Facebook hype, this sensationalism, this YouTubeism has destroyed us, and it has us looking for these grandiose ideas and thinking that, like I said, the revolution will be overnight, that we've started with the first step. We're not addressing the issues that really plague us as a people, men and women relationships like the sister was talking about. How do we address that? We're looking for movements of 100,000, a million people, but not sitting down with two or three brothers and sisters. Your neighbor, how many of you know your neighbor's name? How many of you know three houses down on each side of your home, your neighbor by their name or have actually seen your neighbor or shaking your neighbor's hand? How many of you are involved in any affairs in your community? But you want to be black leaders. You want to do everything else. But the things happening right there in your community, organizing a cleanup, something not simple, saying good morning to the mailman. African communalism is the solution. And the African communalism on a revolutionary front will be unity amongst the factions. How can I ask the masses of people to unify and I don't unify with my brothers in other progressive revolutionary organizations? It doesn't make sense. It just doesn't make sense. It doesn't add up. So these are the things and the questions that we have to ask ourselves. It's your brother, Chairman Yang of People's Black Panther Party, Independence Black Talk Radio. Hit one if you want to chime in, if you want to say something, if you want to add your comment or your opinion. This is your opportunity to talk. And we'd love to hear from you. The topic is no factions, one family, but it's what's on your mind, Wendy. What's on your mind in this Trump era, in this Trump stage? It's, 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 it's the real deal. So this is what we're addressing. Let's go to my phone lines, put on my national minister of culture. Mansa Sanjata Kate Kamara. Chief. Yeah, how you doing, brother? Good. Man, I'm great good, man. Thank you, Thank you, brother. Yeah, I mean, what, what sure, you're talking about, kind of. Yeah, you know, I, I guess I, I like the, uh, you know, I'm I'm dealing in the community now. You know, we had a young man murdered, you know, uh, and uh, his father and I grew up together. And, you know, Touchmore, I've been trying to organize the street organization, and it's an age-old problem that Marcus Garvey faced with the bourgeoisie Negroes and the mm-hmm. pastors who have been the problem forever. And uh, so we organized the meeting. You know, I went and, and, and I the father knew I had some influence over the street, you know, some, I won't say influence, but he knew that, that I had a desire to unify our street tribe brothers and and not villainize them. So he asked me, can I organize the troops and try to bring everybody together? And I was, I told him I promised I would do it. So uh, I organized, we organized it, and we, I met with the principal of the school. And she was in, insistent upon, you know, um, having it in a rush and having it at the school. And I, I said, all right, so you think we could pull it off? And so uh, the day there was a couple shots fired outside, so 
I'm calling the sister. She had me rushed to get a flyer. I'm calling her. No, she ain't answering. Also, I get a call like, we canceling at the school. Like, why are you canceling at the school? Well, I'm just not going to discuss it. I'm not going to go into all that. And it just got real belligerent. I'm like, my sister, you know, and why are you talking to me like this? And then I said, I'm not one of your children, but they have that arrogance. Then they, she went through all this about the spelling and putting this and that. I'm like, you know, all this arrogance that they're above the people, you know, because they've gotten their white man, their master's degree. And then they went from this right here. Now they went from there to saying, less, the, the reverence was like, we want to work with the street tribe, the pastors. They went from wanting to have it at the school or the church that now have it at the police station. And I'm like, I'm like, who in the community is going to feel comfortable at a police station? And what's the motive behind? What's the motive behind y'all wanting to do that? And they, and and basically, you know, even though I'm I'm the one that initiated was you know put it together and they was going away, they done hijacked it from me, and now basically forcing everybody to say it's going to be at the police station. I'm like. I'm like, hey, I'm not meeting no police station. I'm not, because one, if you meet this police station, you're going to lose the young people because they think you, they're going to think you mess with the police. I'm like, so I couldn't understand, you know, what that's about. And I had to think, I said, this is the problem, the bourgeois Negroes and, you know, these pastors. I'm like, I'm like, and I, and I said mm-hmm. to the, to the uh, I talked to one pastor, I could reason what I said. I said, you've seen it. I said, listen, let me ask you a question. since you all not that I'm into it, but according to what you all teach, did Jesus meet? At the Roman police station, or was he with the mm-hmm. right? You know what I'm saying. So, so you you saying damn the people. You want the police? And I told the principal. So she went from saying she went from telling me. I said, look, I said, you know, you don't want the police to set the tone and the pace of us trying to, you know, strengthen our community, unify our community. You want the people to set the tone. And the police can be can assist in whatever way the community feels they can assist, but you don't let them to the tone because we know the police are not there to uplift black men. The police are not there to educate black men. The police are there to incar- mass incarcerate our black youth, villainize our black youth, and outright kill our black youth. You cannot let them to the tone. So went from that to the police, and I, and I just can understand. I'm just thinking, what's my people's opinion? Am I wrong to say, you know, that's that's a bunch of BS, and it's a bigger agenda behind y- y'all want to have it at the police. Y'all y'all pe- y'all forcing everybody to have it at the police station. Y'all switching at the last minute, you know, to get people off their square to get them to come to the police station. I, I'm just, you know, I want to, mm-hmm. you know, put y'all what you think about that. I'm like, you know, you, you're not with the people. I'm asking the people to resist this bullshit because why would you do that? Why would you ostracize your community by wanting to have it at the goddamn police station? You know what I'm saying? It, it makes no sense. I want, am, I, am I just crazy or, you know, in, in, in the past it was all? Right. Mm-hmm. It makes all the sense. It makes all the sense in the world. And I think that you put your finger on the pulse of it. When the bourgeoisie, mm-hmm. uh, first of all, we got to understand what they're, that the police are there to, the police is the repressive force of this system. So the police are there right. to, uh, to uh, protect the property owners stuff and the people who have a vested interest in this system. So you're talking you're dealing with the people who don't want to take responsibility for the, the, the youth in their community. You're dealing with the people who 
uh, still believe in the, you're dealing with reformers. You're dealing with people who still believe in the correctiveness of this system, and you're dealing with the people who, you know, sometimes rightly so are steeped in fear, you know. So I think that is twofold. One, one fold is that these people still believe in the protection of the system, which is comes from, you know, our colonizer putting that in us. And two, mm-hmm. our lack of, us as, as black men and black women revolutionaries, our loss of control of our communities, that they no longer mm-hmm. feel comfortable enough for us to handle our own business. They're scared to deal with these so-called street vibes, our brothers and sisters from the streets, because they don't feel comfortable enough for us to handle our own business. This is what we have to step up. This is what we have to what We were talking about, Chief, which I know that you do. This for brothers and sisters. I've known this brother for years, and I'll tell you when I say work with the I work with those groups and work with the street tribes. They've never seen, you know, the likes of what we do. Anytime you can take what people would consider hardened so-called street tribes or what some call gang members and get them out there feeding them. We had vice lords and crips walking down the street feeding the homeless. You know, a beautiful thing. So we teach them to engage their community and to be protectors and defenders of their community. So you have a lot of people that don't really have the faith in their young people uh, Mansa Sanjata, they don't have the faith in their young people, nor the faith in those progressive organizations that are making a change, and they're not willing to step out there and meet us halfway. <laughs> See, we get out there and we're telling the youth that we are handling the problems. We go in between the crossfire. You're going to broker a ceasefire to go between these street tribes to bring some type of resolution to the situation. You're putting your life on the line for that, and these bourgeoisie Negroes, I won't even meet you halfway on it and say, no, we're going to take it to the police station. They're not understanding that they lose all credibility, all trust from the masses of people, and, and, and specifically and particularly these young people, you know. And that's what I mean right, by right. Right. Yeah. We have to take that out of their hands. Well, you know, I, I, refuse, I, ref- I refuse. I refuse. I, I, I'm not. I'm not coming to no meeting, no police station. I'm not going to do it. I said, if I did that, it, 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 it would, it, I would lose the credibility of the people we trying to reach. Absolutely. And it was down to the police Absolutely. station. Yeah. And he told me, he told me, I say that. I said, well, once you look at it as a stool pigeon or a snitch, you know, you, you put yourself at risk because the people don't, they're not going to respect you. And I'm, right. like, so I'm going to try to, you know, discourage them for doing that. But I'm like, but the principal, she was all, you know, and that's what really, uh, upset me well, is the what, fact what, that you who's know, supposed to show up? Who's supposed to show up at the meeting? They, well, they said all the men and the, the police commander was. They, they told her she shouldn't have it at the school, and then uh, and they say some of the community organizations or whatever. You know, that's what they, that's what they saying. And I'm like, yeah, I'm like, all right, well, you know, y'all, 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 uh, you, you're losing the people. How you how I go from being in a church or a school? And, and, the, and the past was all for it, you know. Now you go from saying, "Well, I agree. I think it should be at the police station." And I, you know, and I, I was like, "I was like, man, you can't trust a nigga well, to talk real white." Yeah, well, I can you tell know, you, you this, real that white. You can, can't. Yeah, you can. They, 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 they can, they can hang up having the people involved, especially these young people involved, coming to the. Uh, Coming to the coming to the to, the to the police station. I mean, it's just that simple. I don't see any young people yeah. really doing that. So yeah. you know, 
that's they're gonna lose their thing on that. Chief, I'm I'm gonna yeah. leave your line open, but for a minute, man, to have you in there since you definitely sit on the National Central Committee. But I want to go back to the phone lines uh, and give everyone an opportunity to talk because we're coming in our last half hour of it. Area code four four zero four zero two two. Your mic is open. Hey, uh, how's the brother doing? This is uh, Jeff Arnold. I'm out. I'm out of Ohio. And uh, <laughs> hey, um, you know I can relate to a lot of things you said. You know what I mean? And uh, 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 pertaining to what the brother just said a minute ago, I mean, listen. I mean, he did right. I mean, black people through the history, through all our history, we ain't never had no kind. Only kind of meeting we had at the police station was to get somebody out on bail or. Uh, 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 or, or see what I mean you know I mean it's, it's very oppressive the situation is, is nothing productive about that and apparently they had their, their own agenda I don't blame him I wouldn't go there either and like he said the majority of young people they ain't gonna be meet they ain't gonna meet at no police station hell it's, it's just not gonna happen but uh, on what you were talking about earlier I want to touch up on that as far as uh, yes, you was talking about as far as unity as a whole I mean you know it, I mean when you look at it it's also very simple, you know what I mean? But uh, people are separated by politics and religion and other bull crap. But black people, I mean, it's just, it, I'm telling you, it's a shame. We are the most talented, the most intelligent, the most creative people on this planet. You understand? Mm-hmm. And, and we continually, you know what I mean, uh, are being oppressed. But the worst part about it, brother, the worst part about it is, and this is what I stress to people, you know what I mean? This is what we need to get down to because black people, we, 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 suffer, we suffer from a, a very low self-esteem, but it's due to a, a socialized, uh, engineered uh, a, 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 a form of oppression. It's so, it's so deep, and it's, I mean, it, it's so deep, but yet it's still so subtle. We can't even, we can't even, uh, we, we're conditioned not to even notice it. Mm-hmm. But, you know, it, it boiled down to this. We need to start with the truth. You know what I mean? The truth about who we are, where we come from, who we really are. The children really need to know. All this old fairy tale mess with the Easter and the Santa Claus, all this stuff serves a purpose. You know what I'm saying? Mm. It all serves a purpose and is in the promotion of white supremacy, you know what I mean, and us feeling inferior. You know what I mean? And that's, and that's why, you listen, we, we, we fund our own oppression because we feel, we feel inferior to whites. Yeah. You know what I mean? We ain't no way in hell. We, we the things they do to us, and the things they done done to us in the past couple hundred years. You ain't accepted from another brother. You ain't accepted from another black person. But it's okay if they mm-hmm. do it. But you got to consider, man. I try to explain to people. Number one, I try to I, I try to give them logistics. You know what I mean? Where we stand economically? Why we stand there economically? All the things what that went on. You know what I mean? The history pertains pertains all this. How they broke up? They intentionally in the government minute. They intentionally broke up the black family in the 60s. They did this on purpose. And they said mm-hmm. it. It's, it's, mm-hmm. it's well documented. See, I, yeah, to me, I'm going to tell you, it, it starts off real deep. You know what I'm saying? It starts out with the reality. And if we, it, just think, I'm going to tell you something. And imagine what I'm going to tell you if all black, little black girls were raised under this premise. Because, see, the black woman is the direct descendant to the mother of the entire human race. You see what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. That's yeah. not stressed enough, and that's not, I mean, listen, there's so many keys to her. She is the key, and my, that's just my, my, this is my opinion. But 
what I just said to you, imagine the significance of that. Imagine mm-hmm. if they were raised with that type of that type of insight, that type of uh, mentality, that type of intellect. You know what I mean? The fact that knowing mm-hmm. everybody here is a descendant of my descendant. You know what I'm saying? I am mm-hmm. the key to life. You know what I mean? That's pretty deep as opposed to what we have now is, what, a 73% uh, unwed unwed uh, mothers, which don't mm-hmm. get me wrong. Single mothers, you know what I mean? I, I, got, I got all respect in the world for them, you know what I mean, because it's a hard job. But what they mm-hmm. fail to realize, once, you, once you, you're a single woman and you have a child, the chances of you living in poverty go up to 70 75%. You see what I'm saying? Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, for one, you know what I mean? It's, it's about economics. We, we listen, nobody make, we, we, you got black people who, you know, middle class or upper middle class talking about they made it. Nobody made it to the majority make it because they, you know what I mean? They take it all whenever they get ready. We have no control of our destiny. You know what I mean? Spent $1.2 trillion last year. You got countries that run off less than that. We, if we would unite, we would be a force to be reckoned with. You know what I mean? With all our talents and all our skills, you know what I mean? I mean, we've done things that we don't even know about. As far as uh, the Internet, I heard you say it's a demise. No, it's a demise only to the fact that, you know what I mean? We're not getting information. Young minds want to be there like sponges. They want to be fed. And the people that I deal with, I done deal with a lot of young minds, and they just needed the truth. And once they got that information and they started that drive and they started their research, I'm talking about, listen, they just needed to know. I, I agree with that. Let me jump in here with you on that one, man, and we can have a dialogue. And, Chief, your, your mic is still open. I agree with you, too. I think but even more so with the knowledge, the knowledge, in my, in my opinion, of course, the knowledge has to produce something. See, it's not good to know just for the sake of knowing. My mother used to always tell me, nobody cares how much you know until they know how much you care. You see what I'm saying? Our social, cultural, mm-hmm. economic conditioning leaves mm-hmm. us to... It, to start to emulate that, like in nature, you got certain animals, like what, what, for example, you got this snake that uh, isn't a poisonous snake, but he has the colors of a poisonous right. snake. Except right. they're in a different order. And that's right. how the predators will confuse them. So our women and our young men see the most successful people in their lives and they start to emulate that. They see the European, and the European says, if you don't think like this, if you don't act like this, then you won't be successful. So we start to emulate the European. We start to emulate the Arab. We start to emulate every, everybody but African people in America, black people in America, because we haven't seen a success factor. One of the things that we have to do, this knowledge that we get has to be a knowledge that increases our morals and our ethics and makes us start to judge according to things that would empower us and better us. One of the things with my national minister of culture here, who is also the visionary and the founder of St. Corey African Society, which I'm a member of, is mm-hmm. that's what, in our cultural department, that's what he's teaching, a culture, and a culture of empowerment, not just in our knowledge, but in the way that we perceive ourselves in this uh, white supremacist society and how to shake those shackles of mental colonialism, mental thinking like our colonizers, and therefore, when you think like your colonizer, you spin like your colonizer, you eat like your colonizer. But once you shake that off and start to come together with this African communalism, you start to do things that start to empower you as a people. 
without being redundant. Well, give me a little more details on African uh, communalism. I mean, you know, as far as, you know, I'm, I heard you say it several times. I can imagine what it is, but I want a little more details yeah. of what it consists of. Okay. African communalism simply says this, like you were saying. We spend a trillion dollars out of our community. You know what I'm saying? But it's unaccountable spending. African communalism right, right, right. says that we as a community, we have we start doing like our counterparts do, Jews and other people. We start to have these same things. We find out where these dollars are going to. If I buy Goodyear tires, what does Goodyear support? Does Goodyear support atrocities in Africa? I agree with you entirely, brother. I agree with you. Yeah. You're on the right. You're on the right track. Yeah, yeah. We don't. It's just unaccountable spending. You know, we don't give a damn. We will spend the dollar and not understand the power of that dollar. Africa exactly. I, you said that earlier, and I agree with that. That's what brought it to my mind. You are exactly. You're exactly correct. Yeah. Yeah. So these are the programs. So in our study groups, we say that we should we, we form at the People's Right Parents Party. We say we should form study groups. It doesn't have to be. We don't have to have a hundred members. It can be four or five brothers and sisters sitting around having a cup of coffee, saying, "Hey, did you know? Like me, I don't eat McDonald's. I find out McDonald's supports prison labor. Prisons right. make McDonald's uniforms. So now that I know that prisons make McDonald's uniforms, and I understand about the." school to prison pipeline, I won't buy McDonald's. And okay, so every okay. opportunity that I get, and I sit with groups, I inform people about McDonald's policy. And I said, if we start to pull that and start to just little things like that, then they will have to start taking notice. And these corporations, if we find out the legislation and the politicians, these corporations back, they will be careful about who they back because they, they are capitalists. It's all, the best way to hurt a capitalist is in his pocket. When you start playing with that capitalist money, he's going to start That's changing true. his song. You get he's their attention. You get their attention. Yeah, they get their attention. And that's the best way That's the best way to hurt them. So that's what African communalism is. So, And that's on the economic front. Politically, African okay. communalism is like black nationalism. It just means, but it's just when you say African communalism, it's just thinking, I say that, and it's almost synonymous with black nationalism, but black nationalism has been hijacked by so many people and misused that African mm-hmm. communalism, I think, best just espouses just black people doing what empowers us as a national and international global community. And that's... So that's you're saying, so we... Means. I mean, in, in other words, be united to the point where you speak for one voice. It'd be like, so African communalism, this, they saying this, and they, or they're going to move on that or whatever, you know what I mean, and it's as a group. Uh, you're saying, yeah, you're be identified... Group, yeah. Exactly. Despite your religion, despite your, you see, everybody, yeah. like I said, yeah. everybody. Yeah, does I'm it. on the same at, page, bro. Yeah. You look at the Hispanic people, man. I use them as an example. Mm-hmm. They come together even under their, their colonizers' language. They say, I'm Spanish speaking, and, and, the, and the Spaniards colonized half of these people and enslaved the other half. But even despite that, they have come together on that. They don't, you don't see them arguing. When you take a Mexican and an El Salvadorian and a Puerto Rican. They may not like each other when they're amongst their collective groups, but you take those three Spanish-speaking people and put them in the middle of some black folk. Man, they're going to go That's speak right. Spanish on your butt. They're going to speak Spanish. They're going to keep us That's out of true. the loop. But you take right. us, you take uh, three black people and put them in the middle of, of white people, you're going to have that one Negro that go over there, hey, I'm not with those guys. I don't yeah. know what they're talking about. Black, I don't color. 
Yeah, Ben Carson. Ben Carson. Ben Carson. Exactly. Exactly. So African communalism says that we must teach our child, like what you're saying, we must inform our children. We believe in a protracted struggle. We believe in a generational struggle. We believe that resistance must be taught to our children, that our children have a responsibility and an obligation to their race, that if our ancestors and predecessors would have given up on the dream of freedom, we wouldn't even have the limited group that we have now. That's if they true. had given up on the fight, that's right. So it's some bloodshed, brother. Like, I'm talking about. Listen, they made some sacrifices, and that. But see, that oh, needs man. to be acknowledged. Oh, the same way, see, the same way we acknowledge all that stuff that we still need to start acknowledging our own. Just give us a sense of uh, our being and a sense of identity. You understand? That that plays a big part. But I feel what you're saying. I feel everything exactly, you're saying, brother. And 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 it, and it starts with, like I said, they're getting those study groups. We get the parents. What happens mm-hmm. to the, we have to start getting the parents back involved with the PTA, the Parent Teacher Association? You mm-hmm. get the masses of parents, and they go back and they tell the school board that, yo, the curriculum you teaching is whack. Right. My children came on to me. My son came on to me. He said, Daddy, we study of slavery. I said, oh, yeah, when they tell you slavery was. My son mm-hmm. said, they said slavery is when we worked all day for free. That's what they told mm-hmm. you slavery was. Mm-hmm. You worked all day for free. Let me tell you about the horrors of slavery. Let me That's tell you right. about the worst atrocity in the human history. Perpetrated right. against a people. Let me tell you about the rape, the murder, the kidnap, the inhumane right. practices, just the total barbarity mm. and savagery and brutality. Practice well, perpetrated against us sick. for no other reason than with blacks. And after well, I spoke to him, I went to I went because I skinned. And after I spoke to my son, I went to the school. All right. And told him that this is a farce. How dare you? Whitewash the history of a people. How dare you downplay the dehumanization? Dehumanization and degradation of a whole race mm. of people by telling right, our brother. children, and it shouldn't have just been me. I needed to. I said at that time, and I was still, you know, not where I'm at now. Organize other parents to go to the school board to challenge these school boards to get back in these schools. You see, we must take control of our curriculum. We don't want our shit them teaching our children, and then after that. After we go to the school board and challenge the curriculum that our children are being taught, on weekends with the People's Right Panther Party, one of the initiatives that I'm trying to start up, and if anyone wants to aid and assist this, please contact us. Um, you can inbox me, hit me, Yang and Krumah, or you can catch our email, which is Gmail. And Chief Ward, come in if I'm saying it wrong, please. People's Black Panther Party. Dot Gmail. Contact us. But one of the initiatives that we're trying to launch are liberation schools. And what a liberation school is, my dear brother, is just simply on the weekend, on a Saturday, from maybe 10 to 3, we get our children and we have mm-hmm. activities and we teach them. We deprogram. The program yeah. they receive five days a week for four or five hours a day of the BS. So we catch them on yeah. that weekend and we deprogram them. And the benefit right. of that is not yeah. just the deprogramming of our children, but they also benefit because in a lot of these uh, in a lot of these instances, in a lot of these communities, our children only eat three times a day or two times a day when they go to school for the free breakfast and the free lunch. Mm-hmm. On weekends, they only eat one time a day a lot of times because the schools are closed. So on Saturdays, we provide a lunch 
So we're deprogramming and providing a lunch. And we're getting the parents involved. Because uh, um, we find that uh, uh, in a lot of instances also that the parents send the children first. I remember when I was coming up and somebody was doing something, my mother said, run down there and see what they're doing. Right. Do what our office send us. So we send the children, and the children come back, and they say, we're learning this, and the black parents have taught us that, and this and that, and we find that the parents start to want to engage us and peep in or inquisitive to see what their children, how their children are learning, and they start to see a difference in their children. They start to see, see when, like what you said, brother, when that knowledge comes to when you know who you are, you start to feel better about who you are. When you start to right. know about the greatness you contributed to civilization, when these young sisters exactly. know, like you said, that they're the mothers of the universe, the mothers of civilization. Yeah. When these mothers know yeah. they're the kings of civilization and the defenders and the scientists and mathematicians of civilization, they walk with their heads up. They're not niggas. Change the perspective. It change the perspective all the way. You see, our history didn't start with slavery. So like you said, it changes their perspective all the way. Yeah. Yeah, it took me a while to realize that, but that's real. Absolutely. And they get our chief of staff, we'll send the email to um, Sister Justice, and I can put, I mean, um, send that text to Sister Justice so I can give our contact information on it. Because this is, what we are, dear brother, is a populist movement. We're looking for the masses of people to get involved in their own self-determination and their self-sufficiency. We are not an elitist group. We're not a group of brothers and sisters who think that we have all the answers, but we're looking for, and to answer your question, that's African communalism. We're looking for the participation of all our brothers and sisters okay. to aid us in our advancement. But those are just some of the projects that we're talking about when we talk about these um, liberation schools and things of that nature. Mm-hmm. Let me shoot this um, contact contact out there for, for our people that it's People's Black Panther Party. People's Black Panther Party at gmail.com. You know, so, brother, you know, tell mm-hmm. me if you're interested in, in, in anything, we would see how we can start to set some things up in the area that you're in. Because these are serious times. And like you said, to go back to like you were saying, brother, we have to get up. The lack of identity is what keeps us divided. See, I, the brothers and sisters hear me say this all the time. They hear me say that when you ask other people, what nationality are you? Ask the Asian, what's your nationality? He say Chinese, Japanese, right. Korean. You ask Hispanic, El Salvadorian, Mexican, Puerto Rican. You ask the black man, the black man or the black woman will tell you, I'm a Muslim, I'm a Jew, I'm a Christian. I'm a, no, not your religious beliefs, brother, sister. What's your right. nationality? What's your ethnicity? What's your shared experience of common goal? Even if it's black, if you just say, man, I'm black. Then we have that shared experience, that shared struggle. You know, say, well, I came here before slavery. This, I'm not even talking about that shared experience. I'm talking about the shared experience of terrorism, state-sponsored terrorism by the police. I don't know a black man or a black woman that don't say, you know. Just the terrorism we, we live every day. Every day as a black man. In the workplace? Absolutely. At the store being followed around? I mean, I mean, the list goes on and on. Goes on and on. So we have that same shared experience. But instead of us getting together and coming together to shake that off of our backs, we think that we're going to find escape through trying to claim something other than black. Yeah. We think we're going to find escape from saying, but when that pig murders you, when he shot Mike Brown down, 
when he choked Eric Garner out, he didn't say, well, you a Muslim, are you a Moor, are you a Christian? Shalom, Hebrew. He called him Mm-mm. a Muslim, put care. his arm around his neck and choked him until he couldn't breathe. That's right. He called Mike Brown. The only difference between Eric Garner and Mike Brown, when he called Eric Garner a nigga, he called Mike Brown young nigga. Yeah. That's the only difference. So they still see what they see. So we have those shared experiences that we must come together in. Brother, I thank you for that call. I'm gonna go And I really to, appreciate uh, your time, brother. Hey, man, brother, anytime, man. You know, tune in with us. Hit us on the email, if, even if it's nothing but for information, dear brother. And we can exchange okay. some information and some ideas. And I would love to hear more about what you're talking about. All right, the same here. Right on, brother. Make your day. Let's, let's go back to our to our phone line. Area code 504-1282. Let me open up this mic here. Area code 504-1282. Your mic is open. Black Power, brother. How you doing? I'm good. So how about you? I'm good. I was just finished up my show, so I decided to tune in and listen to what's going on with you. And I hear you screaming about the education system, my brother. (laughs) You know we got a solution to that. We got a solution to that, you know. Talk to us. Mm -hmm. We fought fought for homeschooling. And now you young people have the opportunity to do this. Uh, I speak with a young sister about 4 o'clock in the morning from Atlanta uh, named uh, Ife Golden, and she talks about her homeschooling program that she has for her kids right there in the state of Atlanta. And uh, all you have to do is register for it, and they will send you books, computers, everything you need to homeschool your child. And I, I I was commending her on it because these are the things that we fought for, you know, that that we couldn't get. Uh, if we homeschool our kids up here in New York, they're going to throw you in jail. <laughs> mm. Your, mm. Your, your kids don't come to school, and they consider that contributing to the delinquency of a minor child and will lock you up. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. That's what they don't want us to take our own control and our, you know, take our destiny in our own hands. That's yeah, what the but this is, she was telling me about the program. Uh, I, I'm going to try to get more information on it uh, from her for you. But I also heard you talking about how we don't uh, know our own uh, true history. And uh, this is a fact. You know, I hear people uh, spouting off stuff that doesn't even make any sense uh, chronologically. And uh, I I had that experience today when I was coming home. And I told the brother, I said, brother, you got to read Sheikh Antajouk's books, you know, because he gives a detailed history. Uh, The brother was telling me, how we were the Asiatic black men and we came out of Asia and, and settled in Africa. I was like, what? Where did you get that from? That's misinformation. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. So, 
So mm-hmm. uh, I'm reading three books uh, by Sheikh Antojoub. I want to get the fourth one. The first one is called uh, Civilization or Barbarism uh, by Sheikh Antojoub, which is uh, um, an amazing book about uh, the um, authentic anthropology and the contributions of uh the contributions of uh, black Africans to math, science, and all of these things. You know, history uh, does not give us credit for these things. They give the Greeks credit for these things. But he actually shows us where it's written, you know, in the papyrus or on the, on the walls of certain, uh, certain uh, uh, temples. In uh, in in uh, Karnak, in uh, also in uh, Sudan, and in uh, uh, I think he said uh, 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 Somalia, uh, some places like that that have it. And then he talks about another book. Uh, he has another book, uh, the African Origin of Civilization, Myth or Reality. Uh, excellent, excellent history book on, you know, uh, history way back when. But uh, the best one that I've been reading and I came up across is uh, uh, The Pre-Colonial Black Africa. Now, that is an excellent book on what actually happened to us prior to coming here and, and how we were at war, who we were at war with, how it transpired, and the reason why we got captured is because we were at war with each other, you know, because we were divided, mm-hmm. so it was easy for them to come in and just take us out, you know. And then mm-hmm. also there's another book that I'm going to get. He has one more, and it talks about the artisans and the craftsmen who were tricked into coming here. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. because they were they were uh, purchased uh, from uh, their king to uh, come and build the city. They they didn't you know they didn't know that they were going to you know keep them here and and mistreat them. And those are the uh, the first uh, in, uh, enslaved Africans who came to uh, New York and to uh, I think it was Virginia. Uh, those uh, uh, people came uh, from Guinea and uh, mm-hmm. and uh, Ghana. So you know uh, the 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 ones in New York came from Ghana, and the ones in mm-hmm. Virginia came from Guinea. So you know See, there's a lot of information out there, brother. There's a lot, but you absolutely. just have to look. You know, you just have to look for it and. You know, for us to still be calling ourselves anything other than African is just plain denial of your own greatness. Absolutely, absolutely, I agree with that, and that's and that's where it's gonna and that, and I appreciate that, Mother Melody. I, I really appreciate that, and and definitely check out those books that Mother Melody is talking about. You know, and inform people and empowered people. I honestly believe that, and that's where it's gonna come in. You know. And one of the things is, like we go back, we will really start to feel comfortable 
calling ourselves Africans and really feel comfortable knowing our identity, once we start to, um, like Mother Melody says, get the knowledge of our ancestry, but to take this understanding and this information and to really try to change our mindset, to really try to change our mindset, I think that so many times what we're finding, and to go back like what my dear brother was saying, this is one of the reasons that I have a problem with the Internet and the YouTube a lot of times is because everything has become for entertainment purposes only. I see the mm. brothers going back and forth about the debates. I see the sisters, the brothers and sisters going, see who's the deepest and who can retain or regurgitate the most knowledge. But I don't see how it's affecting the masses of everyday people called into this struggle. Like I told people before, one of the things that made the Panther Party so prolific and made the Panther Party what some people call the original, I call them the third development. I don't particularly use the word original because if they're original, everybody else is fake. And I know that I'm not a fake Panther. So we say that third development, that third wave, that what made them so prolific and so profound in what they did is that they exemplified African communalism, socialism, self-determination, and self-sufficiency, so much so that the government had to incorporate those programs. The government didn't start doing these programs. They didn't have Black History Month. They didn't start having the black um, student unions on the college campuses just from the graciousness of their heart. All of a sudden they had such compassion for the Negro. But when they saw the Panther Party, doing these things, and the black, they saw the black community start to rise up and have a sense of self-worth and start to identify, to have a sense of self-identity and have pride and say black is beautiful, black power, and these type of things, I'm black and I'm proud, these type of things. And it only came through, it wasn't just because they were giving us grits. It wasn't just because they had tough leather jackets. But with the grits came ideology, came a sense of self-worth, came a sense of self-purpose, came a strong black, a strong African identity. With them, when you donned the leather jacket, donned the beret, you had a sense of self-worth, a sense of self-pride, a strong African identity. And the government knew that they had to undermine that, hence the free breakfast in school, hence certain medical programs that were directed and specific and, and, and that targeted black people, African people, people of African descent here in America. It was to erode the power base of the Black Panther Party. And this is what we've forgotten. We have gotten so caught up in the sensationalism that we don the uniforms and we love the buttons and we got the parade and it's cocked and popped and we walk around with the guns. But where are the programs of self-sufficiency and self-determination? Where are the liberation schools that I came up with? Yeah, and where not just that, what, 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 I, what I'm so hurt by is the fact that nobody is looking at the sacrifices that we made. Uh, I, I for one, know that when uh, I was in college at New York Technical College, I helped to start uh, the Black Students' Union there because they were stealing our money, you know. Mm-hmm. And uh, myself and another brother got a 10-year academic dismissal from college for that. Do you know how far back that pushed our careers, our lives, how we had to suffer through those 10 mm-hmm. years of not being able 
to go and complete college. I didn't complete college until my late 40s, you see, behind that that particular thing. So it's a lot of sacrifices that were made. I mean, it's, it's, some people lost their lives uh, immediately, but some of us lost our lives very slowly, you know. Absolutely. And they, they did this to us because we weren't going to stand for a lot of the mess that they were doing, especially with the the Black History and and the African History Month, we was out in the street. When I tell you, brother, we was out in the street until they gave us what we wanted, and it was not about no walking down the street and just, we was fighting the police. They was fighting us. They was, you know, it was was real. And uh, we had a sit-in. We had a couple of sit-ins at John Jay College, uh, some of our kids you know, generation behind us so that we could get African history uh, books. And this is how nasty they really are. They gave us the books, right, but they were all printed in French. So that meant you had to, yeah, you had to spend another $600 to take a French course so that you could read the book. You know, and, that, and that's exactly. They're not going to give us. And I appreciate that, Mother Melody. We're not going into our last five minutes, so to close it out. And it, and it's exactly like what Mother Melody said. They're not going to give us in every of our self determination, every inch of our independence is going to have to be fought for. And the fight is not always. I'm telling you, not always a physical fight. It just may be. It just may be. We can't discount that, but it's not always a mental fight. <clears throat> to go again, I think. Like I said, the note I want to leave you on, brothers and sisters, is that let us be realistic about our situation. And though we are revolutionaries and we are trying to be revolutionized and we're going towards that revolution, revolution starts with a resistance movement. So learn to resist. Learn the art of resistance. Everybody screaming revolutionary is not a revolutionary. They don't even understand the concept of revolution. There is no revolution without a resistance movement. So learn to resist. Learn to resist your gluttonous urges. Learn to resist to hate the urge to hate your brother or sister. Learn to resist the urges to spend unaccountably. Learn to resist the urges to oppress your wife and your family and sisters to oppress your husband and your children. Learn to resist the urges of Eurocentric thinking. And once we learn to urge, once we learn to resist those urges and we have shaken that from our psyche and from our diet and from our living, then we can really start to look at waging a full-scale revolution. But until we learn the art of resistance, a revolution will only put a nigga in power that you, a lot of you brothers and sisters will be clamoring and begging for the white man to come back because neocolonialism is real. If you don't believe me, study the history of revolutionaries. Study the history of revolutionaries. So before the revolution, let's practice the art of resistance. Let's learn to have this resistance movement. And the resistance starts within you, then to your household, then to your neighborhood, your community, then to the state and the nation, and then global. 
and this is the only way that this is really going to work. This is the only way that this is really going to work. I know we were all over the place, started beginning with the no factions, one family, and we can always revisit that topic again should we talk on it. But we go where the revolutionary spirit leads us, and this is where it led us tonight. So I just wanted to end it with that note. My dear brothers and sisters, I wanted to end it with that note because, I listen, I know this thing is real, and I know a lot of you brothers and sisters know that this is very real, and I don't want you to be duped, and I don't want you to be hoodwinked, and I don't want you to be tricked and caught up in this sensationalism and thinking that this revolutionary is a, that revolution is a Facebook post or a YouTube video or somebody um, in, with a nice picture that it takes self-discipline. It takes sacrifice. It takes commitment. But most importantly, like I tell you, brothers and sisters, it takes love, love of your people. With that, I, I leave you as I greet you, all powers to oppress people, African power to an African people, and black power.